This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read the entire chapter, and then we'll look at it expositorily. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use to write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for the opportunity we have to learn from it and to apply it to our lives. Bless each and every one as we listen intently and as your Holy Spirit gives us insight and understanding and the decision in our hearts to follow through in obedience. Help us to trust and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is the last in our series of Galatians. Galatians, the gospel of grace. And the question is, what does grace lived out look like? If somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit, if they're led by their spirit, if they're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, what does that look like? If a church is spirit-filled, what does that look like? Galatians 6 is a painting, it's a portrait of what a church filled with the Spirit looks like and how they act toward one another. 
So here we have it. What grace looks like when it's lived out. Graced people, and you are a graced person if you have trusted in Christ. You've received God's grace, his unmerited favor, his forgiveness, his peace, his righteousness. And as a graced person, you are to give grace to other people. You are to guard against erosion of your own faith. You're to lift boulders that others are trying to carry, and you're to carry the backpack of your own burdens. You're to thank your spiritual mentors. You're to sow to grow, and you're to discern or know between true teachers of the word and false teachers of the word. So that's what a spirit-filled Christian and a spirit-filled church looks like. Let's look at each of this, these components in turn. First of all, graced people give grace to people. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Now this is very important because the word for restore means to reset a bone. The word for restore means to reset a bone. I was in college. I was playing flag football. I went to grab the flag from the person running past me with the football. And instead of grabbing the flag, my pinky went into his belt loop as he ran by. And it dislocated my pinky. So my pinky, instead of going up like this, it was going across my the back of my hand, like this. And one of the football players said, give me your hand. And I reached out my hand, and he grabbed my pinky, and he gently straightened it right out, but he did it so quickly, it was painless. And it was beautiful. And when I went to the doctor, he put a splint on it, and everyone said, oh, I broke a finger once, look at this. And they showed their crooked finger, When my pinky healed, it was straighter than the pinky that never broke. I thank the Lord for that guy who said, give me your hand, and gently straightened it out. I said, how did you know to do that? He said, I played football in high school, and I would dislocate my shoulder all the time. And I watched as the doctors did it. I got to the point where I could just bang it against the wall and knock it back in. So I learned how to reset bones from my own experience. And friends, that is not too far from the truth of this verse. You who are spiritual doesn't mean you who walk around with your nose in the air and say, I'm a holy Joe, I'm a holy Jane, and I never sin. You who are spiritual and know the grace of God, you who are spiritual and know that you have clay feet up to, your ang- uh, up, up to your kneecaps. You who are have fallen and have been forgiven. You who know the grace of God. You who have taken the log and the lumber mill out of your eye so that you can discern a speck in somebody else's eye. You who are spiritual and know the grace of God, dispense the grace of God to others as God has dispensed the grace of God towards you. Gently lovingly, compassionately. What do we do when we find someone who's caught in sin? And the word caught means overtaken by. That person is overcome by their sin. 
they started by saying, oh, this is not so bad, and then it got worse and worse and worse. I think about it this way. You know, you could be driving your car and get stuck in the mud, and you put on the gas, and you push hard, and you get out of the mud. Sometimes you get in, stuck in the mud, and you need some people to help push you out of the mud. And the people get behind there, and they push real hard, and they rock it back and forth, and you get out of the mud. But then there's the third kind of stuck in the mud, where you go back and forth, people try to push you out, and nothing seems to work. You need to get a tow truck to pull you out of that mud hole. And that's what we're talking about. Some people get in the mud of sin, and they dally in sin, but they confess, and they repent, and they turn to God, and they get back in the Word and ask the Holy Spirit to help them, and they're done with it. They're, they're moving out of that mud pit. Some people... They get into sin and they struggle and they confess their sin and they're still struggling and they get some accountability partners around them who pray for them. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And we need some people to help us to push us out of the mud. But then sometimes we need a tow truck. And a tow truck is when the church responds in a loving, gentle way. But how is the track record of the church? Now, I'm not talking about this church in particular, but all churches. You know, unfortunately, when someone's caught in sin, churches tend not to be dispensers of grace. They tend to want to label that person, to gossip about that person, to condemn that person, to exclude that person. And we do everything except extend grace and love and compassion to a fellow believer who's struggling with temptation and the power of sin. May we be a spirit-filled church that says, Brother, I'm going to pray for you. I am here. Anytime you're struggling, you call me. I'm going to check in on you. And I just want to love you back to Christ. I want to love you so you're hot for the Lord. All right? That's the sign of a spirit-filled Christian. That's the sign of a spirit-filled church. Grace people guard against erosion. Galatians 6.1b says, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Sometimes when you go to help someone who's in sin, uh, the very nature of the sin they're involved is so suggestive that you start falling into that problem. You know, the Bible says don't... uh, engage with an angry person because then you get more angry. And so if anger is a problem, don't go help an angry person because it ain't going to do you good. It's going to make you worse. So there's certain things you need to know are not good for you. And you say, hey, brother, could you go over there? You seem to be a patient, loving person. Uh, I think I'd be stirred up and I'd be just as mad as this guy and I wouldn't do him any good and he wouldn't do me any good. So you got to watch yourself. Guard against erosion. By the way, that's what Chuck Swindoll says, that when someone starts falling away from the Lord, it's not a blowout, it's a slow leak. It's erosion. It's like compromise here, compromise there, and the next thing you know, you've slip-slided away from God. And so you've got to watch yourself. You have to be on your guard and uh, pray up and say, Lord, help me. I want to extend extra grace to this person But I don't want this to be a temptation for me either. And so help me to stay focused on you. Grace people lift boulders and burdens. And you'll notice in our text 
that uh, we have what seems to be a repeat or uh, of a concept here. It says in verse 2, carry each other's burdens. And then in verse 5, it says, each one should carry their own load. Now, there's two different words, Greek words, used here. Uh, when it says carry each other's burdens in verse 2, it's talking about a boulder-sized burden. You know, there's times when a person like you or I come across a challenge or a temptation or a problem or uh, an illness that it's too big for us. I mean, it, it, it's a burden that is bigger than one person can handle. That's what we're talking about here, a boulder-sized burden. When we see the load in verse 5, it's talking about a backpack. So we should help others with the boulder-sized burdens that are too much for them, but we should carry our own backpack of responsibility that we're supposed to shoulder. So be responsible for what you are supposed to do, but at the same time help others who are overwhelmed. That's the key, that we are to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. The point here is, in order for you to help someone else, you got to be humble. And too many people in pride and selfishness say, I'm too good to help you or I'm too busy to help you. We ought to be looking around and saying, how's it going? Recently, I reached out to a friend of mine because his mother was dying. She's 63 years old. And I texted him because he went down south to be with his mother. And he sent me a picture and she was emaciated and on hospice and the family was around. And a couple of weeks later, I texted him again. I said, how's it going? He says, if you were to say to me, mom would still be around two weeks later, I'd say, I don't believe it, but she is. But she's close to going to heaven. Thank you for your prayers and for helping me. And then he texted me. She died. She's on the shores of heaven now. She's no longer suffering. She's at peace. She's reunited with loved ones. I said, when are you getting back into town? He said, Friday. So I stopped by and I gave him a big hug. And he says, thank you for helping me carry that big, big burden of my mom dying. That's what the church is about. It's being mindful of people who are hurting and their load is so big. You know, ever have somebody come to you and say, I know God said he's never going to give me a burden bigger than I can handle, but boy, he must have high esteem about me because he sure is loading it on me. Well, that person's just admitting they've got a burden that's a boulder size and they need a little bit of help. And just a word of encouragement, a phone call, a hug, a listening ear does wonders. That's what a spirit-filled Christian and a spirit-filled church looks like. And yet we have to test our own actions. Make sure that when you do have a healthy pride in yourself, it's not because you're comparing yourself to others, that's an unhealthy pride, but it's because you are taking care of business and doing what you're supposed to be doing in terms of handling the responsibilities in your life. So this is the the challenge of all time, that we as human beings compare ourselves with one another. Did you know that people are struggling <clears throat> with depression over social media? 
That is, they're going on other people's Facebook and they're seeing people's perfect lives because people are taking pictures at the happiest time. They might have argued and screamed and been fighting terribly before the picture, but then smile, and they look like they're perfect. And then you get depressed because I don't have that nice stuff. I'm not that happy. And everyone's comparing themselves to everybody else. And that really is bad. Don't compare because it causes you to despair, all right? But here's a better thing, and that is that we are not to compare ourselves to the world and say, well, I'm glad I'm not an axe murderer. That's a pretty low bar. And then don't compare yourself to someone in the church. Well, I'm glad I'm not like that Christian who's so carnal. You shouldn't compare yourself to the world or to the church because God doesn't want you to be worldly and he doesn't want you to be churchy. He wants you to be Christ-like. So you should compare yourself to Christ and say, Oh Lord, thank you for having mercy on me and keep growing me in Christ-likeness. I'm fixing my eyes on you, Jesus, and that's how I want to grow. And then grace people thank spiritual mentors. Galatians 6, 6. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Now, Paul is saying that you should pay well the person who teaches you the word of God. So right in the beginning, he would not take money for teaching the word. He was a tent maker and support himself. That was in pioneer work. But once a church was established, it was assumed we're going to pitch in to pay for our Bible teacher so that he can really study and do this full time. And so this goes way back to then. And it's saying, make sure you... Uh, you don't keep your preacher in the poorhouse. Uh, but I am expanding this today to say, make sure to say thank you to anyone and everyone who has lifted you up in the Lord. You know, when you go back to your Sunday school teacher, if they're still alive, or to your father or mother or brother or sister, and something they said to you, and you say, I just want to say thank you. You have no idea the profound impact you had on my life spiritually because of how you live or what you said or what you did. That goes a long way. Thank people for having a spiritual impact in your life. Write letters to, if you listen to the radio and you're listening to, you know, the J. Vernon McGee show or, or uh, Alistair Begg or something like that, write them a letter and say, thank you, that message touched my heart. Let them know that you are blessed. Now, your primary giving should be here at this church because Alistair Begg is not going to visit you in the hospital. He's a great teacher, but he's not here. And so, yes, give, him, give money to him and support him. I'm all for that, but make sure that the tithe comes into the storehouse. That's my opinion, and that's where my first 10% goes out of the gross. So... Grace people sow to grow. Galatians 6, 7, 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And the point here is that Paul is saying that um, some people think that they could uh, give a little and expect much back. And, and unfortunately, because of radio and TV Christian programs, people expect something for their donation. If I send in my donation, I'm going to get a book. 
If I send in my donation, I'm going to get a tape series. I'm going to get a gold medallion. I'm going to get a prayer cloth that this person prayed over. We do not give in order to get. (laughs) We give out of a grateful heart, and we give as unto the Lord to honor him and to support the ministry of the gospel. And so we've got to sow generously, and we will reap generously. And it's not just about money. It's about prayer. It's about um, spiritual investment in your life. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you will sow to the Spirit. It's the law of the harvest. What you plant is what you get. And I have a funny quote here for you. Um, I would certainly be, it would certainly be a surprise if you planted corn in the ground and pumpkins came up. But I probably would not be, it would probably not be a surprise if you gossiped about your friends and soon found you had no friends. It's a law of life, both physical and spiritual, that you reap what you sow. Every action has results. If you plant to please your own desires, you'll reap a crop of sorrow and evil. If you plant to please God, you'll reap joy and everlasting life. What kind of seeds are you sowing in the soil of your life? Some of us need to pray for crop failure. That is, we've been sowing in the wrong place for the wrong thing, and we need to repent and turn from that and start sowing by spending time with the Lord. Spend time, you know, um, listening to God and serving others in love. People, grace people sow to grow. In Galatians 6, 9 to 10, it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God. Now, I was particularly blessed because we read, we sang Trust and Obey, and I had no idea that the third stanza was such an application to not growing weary in well-doing. It's as not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. You will be rewarded for your faithfulness. You will be rewarded for doing good to others whether they be Christians or not Christians, but especially the Christians. Now, commentators say this is also speaking about the use of finances, that you should give to charities, but you should make sure that when a Christian brother or sister is in need, that you give to that person, because no non-Christian is going to give to a Christian need. Does that make sense? So we should be generous in our investment of our funds to help those in need and by doing so, we're doing good. We're to do as much good to, for everyone as long as we can, as much as we can, as long as we can. All right, grace people, no true from false. This is the wrap-up here. A spirit-filled a spirit, a Christian and a spirit-filled church are discerning. Paul takes the pen from his amanuensis, which is a fancy word for his secretary, And now he writes with his own hand, and he writes in large letters. Why did he write in large letters? Was it like uh, Thomas Jefferson signing the the Constitution to show, hey, I mean this, this is uh, authentic? Um, 
Or was it because he had an eye disorder? You know, Paul was stoned, as in rocks thrown at him, where he was left for dead. Did you know that he's been beaten many times? And, and he did say in, in Galatians that when he met them, they, would be, they loved him so much they would be willing to pull out their eyes and give their very eyes to him. So he had some sort of eye problem, and it caused them to write with these big letters. Why did he have that problem? Because he suffered for the Lord. There's a true Christian. A true preacher of God's word will be persecuted, will suffer for the Lord, and will have the marks of Jesus, which he mentions in the second to last verse. When Billy Graham was at Amsterdam 86, the uh, conference for itinerant evangelists in Amsterdam, Holland, I was there. And Billy Graham was so humbled when he looked at the 8,000 evangelists from around the world. He said, I'm not even worthy to stand in front of you. Many of you have been tortured for Christ. Many of you have been beaten for Christ. Many of you have scars and marks for the cause of Christ. And I don't have any of that. I'm not even worthy to be here. And I'm thinking, man, Billy Graham saying that? <laughs> the guy who preached to more people uh, in person around the world than any human being? That's amazing. But he's the real deal. People who will stand up and even be persecuted for the offense of the gospel. That's the real deal. But then, the false deal, the legalizers are the people who are trying to compel you. They're trying to twist your arm. They're trying to force you to do something so they can put a notch in their belt and say, yeah, there goes another one. I got another convert. They want to up their statistics. The only reason they do this it says in Galatians 6, 11 to 18, is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. So they're trying to avoid persecution by taking the conviction about sin out of their preaching. How many churches are, have now stopped talking about sin and hell so they can get more people to attend it and they're not being true to the Bible or to the cross of Christ. They're not getting persecuted because they are talking about health, wealth, and prosperity. They're false. you got to be discerning. And they want to say, hey, we got the largest church in America. It's all about numbers. Nickels and numbers. Nickels and noses is what I meant. It hasn't changed. But what about Paul? He says, may I boast, never boast, in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. What counts is that you're in Christ and you're being changed by the Holy Spirit from the inside out. That's what matters. Don't look at titles. Don't look at uh, riches. Don't look at uh, applause of men. None of that matters. I've been crucified to the things, the perks that everyone's chasing after. For me, it's all about Jesus and Christ crucified on the cross for my sins. That's what it's about, and that's what I'm going to stick to. That's what a discerning, spirit-filled Christian listens to. And so he says, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, the Israel of God. We are the people of God by the grace of God. We're included in the people of God. 
From now on, let no one cause me trouble. He's, he's saying, I've had enough. Have you ever said that? I've taken enough grief about this. He's saying that. And he says, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Probably his eye problems and other scars and twisted fingers and who knows what else he had. But how does he close Galatians? The same way he starts it, with the grace of God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. If you understood the gospel of grace that he has hammered home through the entire epistle, then you're a changed person in your spirit. You want the grace of God to flow through you to other people. You want to be a conduit of the grace of God. You don't want to follow the law. You don't want to be legalistic and judgmental. You want to be obedient, yes. You want to be spirit-filled, yes. You want to serve one another in love, yes. You want to be free in Christ and maintain your freedom in Christ to grow in Christ-likeness, yes. And all that is the grace of God. May the grace of God, the power of this message, stick with you so much that it births within you a new lifestyle of grace. May you embody the gospel of grace. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530 530- 8920521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's word.